70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of global Korea. Throughout the year, we celebrate the 70th anniversary of KBS World Radio with the voices of our listeners from all over the world. Уважаемые сотрудники и радиослушатели KBS World Radio, меня зовут Роман Новиков, я из России. Hello to the staff members and the listeners of KBS World Radio. My name is Roman Novikov, and I live in Russia. My favorite radio station is celebrating its 70th anniversary. This year is a special one for me personally as well, because it's been exactly 30 years since I started to listen to KBS World Radio. It taught me so much about Korea. We didn't have the internet back then, and KBS World Radio was the only way for me to learn many interesting facts about Korea. I've been an official monitor for the Russian service for quite a while now, and I happily plan on tuning in for many years to come. I wish everyone at KBS World Radio health and success. Thank you for your hard work. Seventy years with KBS World Radio, seventy years of global Korea. KBS World Radio brings Korea to you wherever you are. It's Thursday, the 14th of December. Welcome to Korea 24. On KBS World Radio, I'm Koo Hee-jin, filling in for Kwon Jang-ho. South Korea's population is expected to increase until next year and then gradually decline to around 36 million by 2072, despite a steady inflow of foreign nationals. We'll have more in our news briefing shortly. And for our in-depth today, we take a look at the internal turmoil that has gripped both the main ruling and opposition parties ahead of the general elections in April. And later for Explore Korea, we take a closer look at the world of artisans and handicrafts at the Craft Trend Fair. We'll have all that and more on Korea 24. The country's population of 51.6 million is expected to fall below 40 million over the next 50 years, should the low birth rate trend continue. The working age population will plunge from 36.74 million last year to 16.58 million by 2072. To fill the gap, the number of foreigners coming to South Korea each year is projected to steadily increase. For this and other major headlines of the day, we have in the studio with us Deputy Editor-in-Chief of KBS World uh, English News Service, Kim In-kyung, with us. Hello, In-kyung. Hello, Hee-jin. Well, uh, Statistics Korea released its biennial uh, report on future population estimates predicting demographic changes in the country over the next 50 years on Thursday. Can you sum up the biggest findings? Sure. South Korea's population currently stands at 51.6 million, is expected to increase slightly to 51.75 million next year, but begin to gradually decrease after that, shrinking to 47.11 million by 2050. Mm -hmm. If the country's critically low birth rate trend continues, the population is expected to plummet to 36.22 million by 2072. 
that the total last seen in 1977. Wow. Owing to the decrease in births and an aging society, the working age population was estimated to plunge from around 37 million in 2022 to 17 million by 2072. The statistics agency forecasts the number of births to decrease from 250,000 in 2022 to 220,000 in 2025 and to 160,000 in 2072. The numbers were based on the projection that the fertility rate will increase from 0.68 next year to 1.08 by 2050. We touched on this uh, ageing society issue uh, in uh, Tuesday's uh, and Wednesday's uh, issue as well. Will the decrease in fertility rate cause population ageing? Yes. Coupled with an increase in life expectancy, the statistics agency predicts that the elderly population aged 65 or older will increase from about 9 million in 2022 to over 10 million by 2025 and 17 million in 2072. Mm -hmm. Life expectancy is expected to increase from an average of 83 and a half years this year to exceed 90 years in 2072. Oh, while the population is projected to uh, spiral downwards, Statistics Korea predicts that inflow of foreign nationals from overseas will increase. That's right. The agency expects the number of foreigners coming into South Korea will increase by 55,000 each year from 2030. The latest estimate is markedly higher than the projection of around 30,000 to 40,000 foreign arrivals two years ago. Well, coincidentally, we had two news items related to how the government plans to respond to the uh, country's declining population. Yes, the government plans to invest 3 trillion won or 2.3 billion US dollars by 2030 to expand the robotics industry. Mm. According to industry minister on according to the industry ministry on Thursday, the plan also includes the provision of more than 1 million robots to all sectors of the economy within 6 years. Mm-hmm. The ministry expects the number of service robots deployed to climb from 63,000 currently to 700,000 within 6 years. And the other item has to do with how the government plans to deal with the shrinking pool of conscripts. Yes, the Defence Ministry announced on Thursday that it'll relax weight-related criteria for exemption from mandatory military service. This means that those considered underweight or extremely obese will now go to the military subject to cabinet approval. Mm -hmm. The proposed change will lower the bottom threshold for body mass index while raising the upper limit, Mm -hmm. making the pool for conscription larger. Mm -hmm, I see. Now, turning to some other headlines... uh, This time to the political news. The People Power Party held a meeting of senior lawmakers this morning to discuss the next steps following the resignation of its chief on Wednesday. Can you tell us what they decided? Yes, because the general election is only four months away, the PPP wasn't expected to elect a new party chair soon. The party had two choices, to have floor leader Yoon Jae-yok lead until the elections or to launch an emergency steering committee. They decided on the letter and will seek to swiftly form an interim leadership committee. Yoon said the party will look for a candidate who the public can relate to and that the pool of potential candidates is not limited to politicians. Well, PPP chair Kim ki resignation also had repercussions for the Democratic Party. Can you explain? Four reform-minded DP lawmakers called on their chief, Lee Jae-myung, to step down and install an interim leadership ahead of the general elections. Mm-hmm. In a press conference on Thursday, the group comprising representatives Kim Jong-min, Yoon Young-chan, Lee Won-uk and Jong chan urged party leaders and seniors to relinquish their privileges and make sacrifices. 
Referring to various corruption allegations he faces, they said the public believes the party must resolve risks posed by the leadership to secure an election victory in the wake of widespread misgivings. Mm-hmm, I see. And we'll have more on the turmoil that the both uh, opposition and ruling parties face in our in-depth today. Now, moving on to other news, South Korea and the Netherlands agree to forge a semiconductor alliance on Wednesday during President Yoon Song Yeol's state visit to the country. Can you tell us more? President Yoon and Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte held a summit in The Hague and issued a joint statement promising to jointly establish a dialogue on semiconductors between the industry-related officials and to create a program on fostering talents related to chip-making. The two sides also plan to promote an exchange of information between their governments on ways to shore up supply chain recovery. Mm-hmm. In a bid to improve the two countries' strategic partnership, the leaders agreed to create a 2-plus-2 dialogue attended by the foreign and industry ministers and hold a gathering every other year. President Yoon will return to South Korea uh, on Friday. I see. And meanwhile, six Russian and Chinese military aircraft entered Korean Air uh, Defense Identification Zone, or Khadiz, on Thursday. What more can you tell us? According to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, two Chinese and four Russian military aircraft breached the Cadiz over the East Sea from 11.53 a.m. to 12.10 p.m. before leaving. During the 17 minutes inside the zone, no violation of South Korean airspace was reported. The JCS said the military identified the aircraft from the two countries before they entered the Cadiz and scrambled Air Force fighters to take tactical measures in preparation for contingency. Yeah, I see. And those were the latest news. Thank you, Young, for bringing us these updates. Thank you. Turmoil has gripped both sides of the political aisle this week ahead of next year's general elections in April as both the opposition Democratic Party and ruling People Power Party are embroiled in internal shake-ups. Former DP leader Inagyan on Wednesday announced he will create a new political party ahead of the elections. He is aiming to form the largest party via the general elections and says that how strongly his new party fares in April will be the biggest variable in the upcoming race. Meanwhile, in a surprise move, the leader of the ruling PPP stepped down a day after Chang Jae-won, a close confidant of uh, President Yoon song yeol said he won't seek a fourth term in Parliament. To take a deep dive into these latest developments and what they mean for the upcoming elections, we're joined on the line by two political commentators. First, we have uh, law professor Jo Hee-young from Hongik University. Professor Jo, hello. Hello. And we also have affiliate Professor Kim byung from the Hangul University of Foreign Studies. Professor Kim, hello to you too. Hello. Hello. And then, uh, uh, form, uh, as I said, former DP Chair Lee Nagyeon appeared on broadcaster SBS on Wednesday and he said yes when he was asked uh, if he would pursue the creation of a new political party adding that related efforts are in the early stages at the present time. On when exactly his party will be established, he said he will disclose it when he reveals his New Year's wish at the beginning of the new year. He has been apparently making overtures to uh, politicians on both sides of the aisle. Professor Kim, what's your take on E's announcement? 
Well, I guess, uh, you know, the, the announcement itself was kind of largely anticipated uh, by those people who have been kind of hoping for some kind of change on the side of the Democratic Party. And for them, it's a welcome news altogether. But for some of the commentators, they were pointing out the fact that Inagyan is talking about creation of the party, uh, not immediately, but I mean, he said next year. So uh, still, it's a sometime in the future. And Mm -hmm. what does that time gap mean uh, about that question? There have been different kind of speculations. Mm -hmm. Is he trying to negotiate with Lee Jae-myung? Is he trying to find a better deal to be offered by the current uh, you know, party leader of Democratic Party, Lee Jae-myung himself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, giving him some kind of offer that he cannot refuse mm-hmm. rather than just letting him go off and create his own party or not. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, you know, what we notice here is certain speculation in terms of uh, what the intention really is, how ready he is in terms of creating a new party, mm-hmm. how committed he is, in mm-hmm. fact, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to the idea of uh, creating a new party mm-hmm. or whether, whether this is a negotiating tactic or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, to be fair about this, the observa- observers altogether, majority sees this his declaration of his departure from the Democratic Party. But what I'm saying is a certain minority seem to notice different kind of possibilities. So, you know, uh, as they uh, like to say, politics is kind of... Uh, living creature, if, if you will. It changes all the time and, you know, tomorrow will be different from what what we know today. And so who knows what can happen uh, when announcement is made about something that will happen in the future. Certain people seem to have second thoughts. That's something that I noticed right here. Indeed. And Professor Cho, what are your thoughts on the matter? Well, my initial thoughts were uh, certainly based on what uh, former Prime Minister Lee has been saying for the last month or so, and his increasingly vociferous criticism of the current leadership of the Democratic Party, Mm -hmm. and also expressing, you know, different possibilities uh, for himself and also uh, for party members and voters. We obviously got an inkling as to what he planned to do. But overall, I would say this is quite quite out of character for him. Uh, Many thought that he was really a Democratic Party man through and through, Mm -hmm. that that, he had Democratic Party blood running in his veins. (laughs) He essentially uh, filled every single one of the highest positions within the party. Mm -hmm. The only thing that he hasn't done to become president um, <laughs> as, as a, member, a member of the Democratic Party. Uh, and for him to uh, essentially sort of almost out of the blue, because he has been kind of in hiatus since his return from the US and since the last uh, presidential election, to uh, certainly make criticism about the leadership, but then to say, well, um, it's kind of you know the end of the the, the line for me with, with the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. I think it, it is a little bit out of character. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are actually expecting uh, him to form sort of like a, a coalition with the two two other former prime ministers from um, Democratic Party and and do something with that group grouping. Mm-hmm. But I also wonder how uh, realistic he, he sees 
the chances of his um, uh, putative new party is going to be. He mm. says he hopes to become the largest party mm -hmm. by seats, but I really wonder how many um, of the, the, the current law members would actually, you know, um, go out of Democratic Party to join him or whether, and whether he can actually field enough of fresh candidates to be able to win seats. I, I have my doubts about that. And that is a lot of variables, whether he is going to be able to create such a big party as he envisions and whether it's going to be as successful as he envisions it to be. So uh, what do you think is going to happen uh, regarding this so-called great party that he's envisioning? Uh, Professor Kim. Well, uh, you know, that's something that uh, it's a question that nobody knows the answer of at this point. And mm. uh, one of the points that has been just made here is that, uh, you know, his old face, basically, mm -hmm. uh, when we talk about, you know, Lee uh, he's been through so many different jobs and mm -hmm. he's been through uh, political competitions. But the thing is, what voters are looking for is a new face. And mm. uh, a certain change. Uh, does he really stand for kind of innovation, new ideas, reform politics? Uh, the way he presents himself, the way he talks and stuff like that, it just doesn't give out that kind of images. And we, you know, we've been talking a lot about creation of the new parties in recent days. Mm. Uh, new party by Lee jun Sung, new party by Kim Tae-sub, new party by Yang Hyang-ja, new party by <laughs> Yu Ho-jung. The thing is, you know, like Lee jun Sung for, for one, uh, he's been totally controversial, but he has never uh, held an office, mm. basically. Mm. He, he never tried anything, really. I mean, he has tried, but he never succeeded. So, uh, you know, he may be a new new face in that regard. Mm. Uh, you know, on the other hand, Inagyan has served in all these different, uh, you know, uh, posts, and uh, he was given chance to try his opportunities and his chances. So, I really don't think Inagyan is a new face that the voices uh, voters are looking for. But in comparison, Lee Jun Seok, Kim Tae Seok, Yang Hyang Ja, Yu Ho Jung, these new faces they deserve to be given a chance to try mm. new parties. But uh, when we say the, when we use the word new, mm -hmm. that new doesn't seem to go well with the face mm -hmm. uh, Inagyan right mm -hmm. now. And uh, Professor Cho, do you think that uh, the new face strategy uh, for Inagyan is going to be a, a, way, a, a way into creating this new uh, great party? You know, I think it really sort of depends on what the voter voters want. Mm. And it may not necessarily be a fresh new face uh, of a novice. Mm. They may actually be after some sort of stability uh, some kind of an experienced old hand who can uh, you know, restore some sort of normality to uh, our politics right now. And mm. people may judge Inagyon to be the right person for that. Mm -hmm. Although, given the fact that he's talking about you know, possibly talk, joining hands with uh, Lee Jun-seok, whose political philosophy is so far <laughs> apart from his own, <laughs> Uh, it's like he's trying to kind of um, uh, put on a, a, a new mask that doesn't really uh, fit him. And th the perception of Inagyon is that he uh, is best uh, in being second in command. And he, he's not necessarily seen to be very charismatic. He, mm -hmm. he certainly has 
you know, the experience um, and, and stability and all of those kind of images that go with him. Mm-hmm. But whether he has the right kind of leadership at this point in time that we need mm-hmm. is another, I think, unproven quality. Mm, yes, of course. And turning our uh, glance, uh, glancing over to the other side of the aisle, uh, ruling People Power Party chair Kim Gi-hun has stepped down some nine months after he was elected to head the party. And PPK uh, has said it is initiating uh, yet another emergency steering committee. It's sixth during the current UN administration. And PPP chair Kim's decision comes a day after another. PPP lawmaker Zhang Jiawon, one of President Yoon's closest confidants, uh, announced that he will not run in next year's elections. So what do you think uh, is, what do you make of these developments, Professor Kim? Uh, I think this is a major development, uh, something that many people have been waiting for, in fact. And when Inyoan announced his uh, not resignation, but closing of his uh, special committee about a week ago, there was a much disappointment, especially among the conservative voters who had been uh, wanting to see uh, PPP kind of being resurrected and uh, kind of coming out of the uh, out of the ash and kind of like being uh, revived and stuff like that. They were greatly disappointed when when they heard uh, Inyoan. Uh, ending his efforts. Mm-hmm. Not that everybody supported him as the the figure who received the unified support. That was not not it. But but people, conservative voters, wanted certain some kind of change. No matter what it would be, just they want to see some kind of new things happening with the ruling, uh, you know, PPP. And when they saw anyone leaving at that time a week ago, they were very much disappointed. But it was soon followed by the announcement of. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Chang and Kim stepping down. And mm-hmm. I think the hope is being revived. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, it's a, it's a great uh, possibility of excitement going forward. And mm-hmm. uh, we, we do understand there are several new, uh, several things that needs to be uh, taking place. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, at the, the you know, PPP, People Power Party, mm-hmm. they need to set up a, the emergency committee, PDRE, mm-hmm. uh, and committee and then and then Gongchen we the the nomination of committee, uh, committee. Yes. Mm-hmm. right and then there's another committee I forgot which one that is but a- anyway these these two major vehicles mm-hmm. that will lead the party towards the victory uh, you know we'll have to wait and see who will actually take over these seats driver seats of these vehicles mm-hmm. and so that will be no in important announcements to watch mm-hmm. uh, we heard yesterday for example hearing Talking, some people talking about Inyoan's need mm-hmm. to come back mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. Uh, having, having chaired the Reform Innovation Committee, he should sit in the the uh, you know emergency committee or even sit in the nomination, nomination committee. committee. But mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see, right, uh, how that's going to happen. But uh, this is a possible opening for excitement for the conservative voters who has been who have been waiting for a certain change mm-hmm. on the side of PPP. So many eyes are watching very closely, that's for sure. I see. And Professor uh, Cho, are you also uh, uh, taken aback by these changes? Um, do you think it's a sign that PPP is ready to change? Well, you know, they say politics is all about timing. Mm. And I can only say that uh, Kim Gi-hyun's timing is really terrible. I think <laughs> I can think of at least two 
occasions when he could have resigned mm -hmm. and actually leveraged his resignation to the great benefit of his party. Mm. Uh, so one is uh, when they lost the by-election that was held recently, he could have taken responsibility for that and mm -hmm. resigned from his party uh, leadership post mm -hmm. and allow you know, an emergency committee to be constituted or whatever to sort of show the voters that yes we are listening we understand you know we understand that you you, you are really criticizing us uh, we are going to really turn a new leaf mm -hmm. etc a second uh, time instance is when the the reform and innovation committee actually made the recommendations uh, that uh, you know the old uh, timers or old hands within the party mm -hmm. should give way to fresh Places mm -hmm. uh, and he could have, as party leader, accepted those recommendations and uh, acted as a, a model uh, by stepping down mm -hmm. from his post and uh, potentially even announcing that he would not run. And this goes for Chang Jae-won as well. Um, you know, because they were like really hanging on for dear life mm -hmm. to to their uh, positions and, and their seats. Uh, Chang Jae-won even made this huge show of force by, uh, what was it, organizing 90 busloads of people to show how uh, incredibly popular and important he was to his district. <laughs> um, and so one has to question why are they uh, essentially, wh why is Kim resigning now? Mm -hmm. Why is Chang Jae-won announcing that he's not going to run uh, in next year's general election after he's almost kind of gone uh, head to head on uh, with the president mm -hmm. because that was certainly a show for the president that was organized. So I can only think that um, so Chang Dae-won's announcement came after he had a meal together with the president himself mm -hmm. and Kim Ki-yeon's resignation announcement sort of followed uh, not long thereafter. Mm -hmm. So either there was a very big carrot that they couldn't resist <laughs> or a very big stick that they got threatened with. <laughs> uh, I don't want to be mired in conspiracy theories, but you you sort of have to wonder what made them, what persuaded them to make these decisions when the timing is, is so terrible. I see. And um, given the moves, uh, just briefly as a side question, uh, given the recent moves, do you think uh, the Innovation Committee and uh, uh, Han had an impact on the PPP, Professor Cho? Uh no, none at all. I would say <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think these decisions uh, by Chang Jae-won or, or uh, Kim Gi-hyun came as a result of uh, anything that Innovations Committee did. I think it's really uh, something that Yongsan did. Mm, I see, I see. And and Pro uh, Professor Kim, do you think uh, what, what uh, I put the same question to you as well? Well, I think uh, there was a clear uh, factor. What Yin Yuan did was the prime mover behind this for sure, the trigger point and something that started the whole thing. And I'm sure there was also input that was coming from the presidential team as well. So combination of both. Uh -huh. And so uh, in a way, uh, this may be a point where we want to evaluate, uh, you know, Inyoan's efforts uh -huh. and his committee's efforts. And looks like it is paying off. And I would definitely recognize the contribution uh, from his team's work. Uh, we have to keep in mind the, the 
Innovation or Reform Committee proposed the very important ideas in addition to what we know, like call for uh, you know, resignation or uh, asking the major players to refrain from running again in their conventional districts, but run for difficult districts and, and uh, asking some of the big players to resign and also on, so on. Mm-hmm. In addition to those major ideas, there have been important reform ideas, such as you know, asking uh, bottom 20% of the lawmakers mm-hmm. to be uh, set aside mm-hmm. in terms of like from the possibility of a rerun mm-hmm. for their seats, mm-hmm. getting rid of 20% at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then uh, asking the lawmakers to give up their immunity, uh, legal immunity. You know, mm-hmm. currently, uh, when while National Assembly is in session, mm-hmm. uh, they cannot be arrested, right? Mm-hmm. Giving up that privilege was another major demand that was made by the the committee. I see. And then, uh, they were mm-hmm. they they were asking for giving seats for young uh, you know uh, uh, young law uh, young politicians as well. So these were all these important ideas, and then because they made a difference, I hope these uh, you know fresh ideas will be uh, accommodated and mm-hmm. implemented going, I going see. forward. Okay. And uh, lastly, do you think, uh, Professor Kim, these uh, latest developments uh, involving the PPP will uh, be able to? Uh, grab voters' uh, uh, attention, grab their hearts? There's no question about it, and for, at least for the conservative voters. I mean, progressive voters, you, no matter what uh, you do, it wouldn't make a difference in this polarized politics of this country mm-hmm. these days. So mm-hmm. the EZM supporters and so on, no matter what you do on the side of PPP, it would not make a difference, unfortunately. But for those conservative voters who are willing to give chance to PPP, mm-hmm. these kind of moves are giving them hopes and possibility for excitement. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. I see. And I put the same question to you, Professor Cho, as well. Well, the conservative uh, voters' hearts are already with PPP. Right? <laughs> so what PPP really needs to do is to appeal uh, itself to the middle of the swimming, mm. swinging voters. And I think what they really need to do is to stop aligning itself, uh, particularly the, the, those lawmakers who kind of tend to be the face of the party, uh, to the, the extreme uh, wing of the, the, their supporter base, but mm-hmm. try to really extend their support base to include the middle ground and the swinging voters. And currently, I don't think they're really doing that very well because one of the things that they need to do is really actually to put some daylight between themselves and the presidential office and also be seen uh, as doing their job as lawmakers properly. But currently, it seems that nobody is really uh, willing or able to uh, put um, objective, uh, critical voice mm-hmm. to the presidential office. And, you know, the party's uh, support is actually higher than the president's and uh because the president also represents the party, uh, he's going to have a, a lot of influence um, on the the vote in mm-hmm. the next year's general election. Mm-hmm. So that's what they need to address. I see. Well, we have some four months until the general elections. And one thing is for sure, everything is up in the air until the votes are out, especially in Korean politics. That was Professor Cho Hee-kyung from Hongik University and Professor Kim Byung-ju from Hankook University of Foreign Studies. Professor Cho, Professor Kim, thank you for joining us. Thank, thank you very you. much. Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock and Forex Update. 
The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index rose 33.52 points, or 1.34% on Thursday, to close the day at 2,544.18. The tech-heavy Kosdaq also rose, gaining 11.28 points, or 1.36%, to close at 840.59. On the foreign exchange, the local currency strengthened 24.51 against the U.S. dollar, to close at 1,295.41. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr. Next up, we're joined by Daniel Che for our daily segment, Korea Trending. For this part of the show, we check out keywords and issues that have been trending online in South Korea, handpicked by the Korea 24 team. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Berijin. Now, let's get straight into the first story, and that's about driving schools, I gather. Yes, uh, last week we touched on how military training centers in South Korea are closing due to countries' low birth rate and aging population. Mm -hmm. Issues like this one are popping up a lot more in the news this time around. Many in Korea are reading about driving schools. Mm -hmm. According to media reports on Thursday, many driving schools around the country are empty or closing these days. Uh, yes, November and December are usually peak months for driving centers because I, I remember uh, students getting out of uh, schools to just line up outside driving schools trying to get their licenses. But I believe that's no longer the case. Yeah, I was one of those students a long time ago. <laughs> well, that's no longer the case, as you mentioned. Usually the peak periods because most high school graduates finish taking the college entrance exams in mid-November, so mm -hmm. they immediately sign up to get their licenses. There used to be a month-long wait even. Mm -hmm. But due to the declining population of this particular age group, the demand is not as high as it used to be. Mm -hmm. And now, many centers offer same-day reservations even. And what kind of drastic decline are we talking about? Uh, can you uh, give us those uh, grim-looking figures? Yes, let's look at the dreary digits there. Going as far back to 2017, nearly 1.1 million people were getting their licenses for the first time. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to 2022, the figure plummeted by nearly 10% to 960,000. Mm -hmm. Driving schools had a boom beginning in 1995 when the system changed from requiring people to receive training at tests and tests only at government-designated facilities, mm -hmm. and then they changed to allowing such services to be carried out at private ones as well. Mm -hmm. uh, to provide much-needed assistance and help these academies rebound, uh, various measures are being reviewed, including reducing fees. Currently, participants are charged as much as 99000 won for a two-hour driving session. And that, unfortunately, is the trend uh, with the super-aging society that we are facing um, in Korea right now. So, well, let's move on to the second story. What do you have for us? Yes, that's we are turning our focus to the world of baseball again. Mm -hmm. uh, this time, the Korean Baseball Organization, or the Korea Baseball Organization, KBO, and what could be the last dance for Chushinsu? Well, in Tuesday's edition, we were talking about a record-setting brand new contract for a young Korean baseball star in the majors. Let's zoom in on what can be the last pro baseball contract for the choo-choo train. His team, the SSG Landers, announced on Thursday that this upcoming season will be his last. The 41-year-old said through the club that he gave it much thought before reaching the decision to hang up his cleats after the 2024 season. Mm. He added that it was a difficult decision to make as he feels indebted to all those who helped him 
get this far, including coaches, teammates, family, friends, and fans. Mm -hmm. He even discussed the matter with those in his closest circle. Chu said his focus will not be solely on the team's results, but also on making time to train with a AAA or minor league team of the Landers Mm -hmm. to share his experience with the young stars in the making. Well, I remember rooting for him all the way back when he was with the Mariners and to when he uh, was with the Rangers as well. And he has plenty of experience at all levels, what would uh, be it with the MLB as well as when he returned and joined the Landers. Yes, he is such a calming presence. Uh, Chu, uh, he started out very fast, very early. He was in high school when he mm-hmm. was selected as the MVP and best pitcher of the 2000 w- WBSC Under-18 Baseball World Cup, mm-hmm. uh, which South Korea won, and then immediately he looked west to the U.S. He then converted into an outfielder to make his pro debut in the majors in 2001 after pushing himself to earn deserving recognition in the AAA level Mm -hmm. for the Seattle Mariners. Mm -hmm. And in 2005, he was promoted to the MLB club. He spent 16 years playing in the majors, earning numerous accolades before returning to the KBO in 2021. Well, that's a class act, you know, taking time to help the team in any way he, he can. And even the amount he signed up for reflects Chu's uh, team first mentality. It does indeed. He is taking the league minimum of 30 million won, or around $23,000, a huge contrast to his last contract, which was 1.8 billion won, or around $1.3 million. Mm-hmm. The reason for taking such a huge pay cut is so that the team will have greater salary flexibility for other players. Mm-hmm. Plus, Chu plans to donate his whole paycheck for the upcoming season to charity. Well, I think uh, we'll see uh, the Chu Chu train in any uh, role possible linked to baseball in the future. Now, what's the last story you have for us? New Jeans is about to make history again, this time by becoming the first K-pop girl group to appear in ABC's New Year's Eve special program. I see. This will be the 52nd edition of the network's New Year Rockin' Eve event. Now, what can we expect from the 2024 special? Well, according to the group's agency, Adore, on Thursday, Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest 2024 has invited New Jeans to perform Super Shy and ETA. The show will also feature rapper Post Malone and Ivy Queen, and the three artists will be performing in different locations. Post Malone in Las Vegas, Ivy Queen in Puerto Rico, and New Jeans in Seoul. The show airs live on the 31st at 8 p.m. in the U.S. That will be 10 a.m. January 1st, Korea time. Now, that's uh, 2023 is definitely a banner year, and it seems to be a 24 as well. Now, June, New Jeans were also the first girl group to perform at the Lollapalooza in Chicago just four months ago. And you say they are. So there are several reasons why this milestone is unique for New Jeans. Yeah, and it counts something to always be the first. And uh, so far, the only K-pop artist featured in this New Year's Eve special has been Psy, BTS, and Tomorrow By Together. Mm-hmm. So New Jeans is the first K-pop girl group to take the stage uh, in this particular program in this fashion. And among K-pop acts, they made the cut faster than any of the previous K-pop stars that were invited to perform on the show. New Jeans is a relatively younger band, which debuted only about a year and five months ago. Oh, babies! And be that as it may, they have taken the world by storm and good for them. And unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for career trending. Thank you, Daniel, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's time for our weekly segment, Explore Korea, where we take a journey across the peninsula, discovering more about the country's history and culture. 
Joining us this week is cultural reporter from the Korea Jungang Daily, uh, Shen Minhee, uh, ready to introduce us to some events in Korea. Welcome back, Minhee. Hi, Jin. So where are you taking us this week? So, Heejin, let me start off today with a couple of questions for you. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of art museums and exhibitions in Seoul, as mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But how often do you see shows that center on handcrafts? Well, I have a weakness for bling. So I dropped by the <laughs> jewelry accessories exhibit last month at COEX. Mm-hmm. It's called The Most Valuables. Um, but mostly I tend to think of modern and contemporary art or history relics when it comes to museums and exhibitions. That's exactly my point. Mm-hmm. Today we're going to be talking about crafts. Mm. I believe it's a very undervalued art form in Korea, but at the same time it's actually been gaining widespread recognition overseas. Mm-hmm. Did you know that among some world-renowned craft awards, we had our first ever Korean craftsperson to win last year? Oh, really? I didn't. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is exactly why my topic today is important, because mm-hmm. it's an annual event in Korea that highlights the artistic and industri- industrial value of crafts for those who are unaware. Mm-hmm. It's called the Craft Trend Fair. Ooh, well, it sounds very interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you ex- elaborate on that? So, like its name suggests, it's a fair where they sell crafts. It's the nation's largest craft fair as it's hosted and organized by the Culture Ministry and its affiliate organization, the Korea Craft and Design Foundation. Mm -hmm. The Craft Trend Fair takes place at COEX in Gangnam District, southern Seoul, and it's usually held toward the end of each year, in November or December. Mm -hmm. Last year, there were over 77,000 visitors during its four-day run. Wow. And this year, it marks the 18th edition, Mm -hmm. and it opened today to industry insiders and press first, and will officially open to the public starting tomorrow through Sunday. It's very interesting. Um, So what can we expect to see when we visit this fair? So much. I mean, if you ever have plans to visit, you're going to need way more than a couple of hours to browse through the entire event. <laughs> and knowing Coex, that place is so huge. Oh. So you're definitely going to need some uh, enough time. Of course. I mean, my uh, ankles were hurting after the jewelry <laughs> fair. <laughs> So uh, simply put, the Craft Trend Fair is a platform for expanding the crafts industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, The organizers have arranged hundreds of booths with products ranging from tableware, Mm -hmm. interior items, furniture, light fixtures. I think actually it'd be faster to just list what they don't sell. (laughs) I see. And and what with the interest in interior design and uh, putting bling in your house rising in recent years. (laughs) Yes, that will be the trend, I think. Right. But I want to point out that the Craft Trend Fair isn't just about shopping. It's about appreciating the necessity and the significance of crafts in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. And every year there's a main exhibition in the fair in which an artistic director is appointed to curate and promote such messages. Wow. And could you elaborate on the importance of these so-called crafts and and what uh, it means for the uh, actual visitors themselves? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. To answer this question, I'll explain using last year's edition as an example. I personally enjoyed it because I felt like it really encompassed the whole philosophy behind crafts. Mm -hmm. And so last year's main exhibition, it was under the theme, Today's Questions, Craft Answers. Mm -hmm. And it was directed by Tao Yang, a Mm -hmm. very popular interior designer in Korea, who also curates art exhibitions. Ah, I see. And uh, can you tell me more about uh, the director, Yang? Uh, well, he has his own studio. It's mm-hmm. called uh, the Tao Yang Studio. Oh, right. tell me about his philosophy. 
his philosophy. So uh, in the main exhibition, mm-hmm. uh, it was intended to categorize the roles of crafts and how they provide answers to the many different problems created by society today. Oh, I see. And it referred to three problems focusing on sustainability, industrialization, and humanity. Mm-hmm. And in each of the problems, Director Yang ac- arranged crafts that served as a solution. Like in the sustainability section, you could see crafts that were made from recyclable materials. A very important and pertinent point, as we're all trying to cut back on waste and uh, keep our earth very green. Mm-hmm, right. So Mr. Yang said at the time, quote, It's not about perceiving crafts as simply a product, but knowing who took the time and effort to make them and learning to respect that specific craft, craft uh, end quote. Mm-hmm. So this ultimately helps change your consumption patterns because it's all about the attitude toward the item. Mm. I mean, if you truly value an item you, that you use, you're obviously less likely to throw it out easily, right? <laughs> I, I have things dating back like decades. So, <laughs> yes. so, uh, so you're saying mm-hmm. that uh, visiting the craft trend fair can also be a very educational, a very um, uh, inspirational. Um, what can we find in this year's edition? Mm-hmm. So in this year's edition, uh, I mean, in every edition, you can find uh, a lot of crafts that were made from traditional materials or techniques mm-hmm. that were handed down generation after generation. Mm-hmm. So as you said, this is very educational and that you can appreciate the culture and history of Korea. Mm-hmm. But in this year's edition, it's a bit unique because the theme isn't about what the latest craft trend is. Mm. It's recapping the fair's 17-year history. Mm. So for anyone who's never been to the fair, it's the perfect opportunity to get a full summary and some insights into what the fair has been presenting for almost two decades. Mm -hmm. Or, of course, you could just go do some shopping. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually visited the fair today early in the morning, Mm -hmm. and there were some interesting things to see in the archive exhibition. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are large screens with video interviews from Mm -hmm. the past participants of the fair. Mm -hmm. And visitors can also revisit the winning works from the fair's annual Artist of the Year Award Ah. since 2011. Mm -hmm. And uh, Chang Dong Gwang, Mm -hmm. he is the president of the Korea Craft and Design Foundation. Mm -hmm. And he told reporters that the organizers are trying to reflect on the fair Mm -hmm. and to just, you know, contemplate on the future of Korean crafts Mm -hmm. and like how they would change the fair's role in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, And you can also submit your own feedback or opinion in a separate corner, which, which the organizers will take into consideration for the next edition. That is very helpful because a lot of feedback will help the organizers as well as the visitors to, you know, uh, to give their thoughts on mm-hmm. the exhibits themselves right. so that they can come back, exactly. which is the whole point of it. Right, right. right. So any final thoughts on the, uh, uh, the exhibition itself? Yes, um, I, wa- I actually want to make something clear here mm-hmm. uh, in the way how the general public views crafts, mm-hmm. because I've noticed that many people tend to perceive them to be a bit distant, mm-hmm. like works of art, instead of actual items we can use in everyday lives. Uh-huh. So if you're ever feeling reluctant to visit the craft trend fair because you feel like you won't be able to afford them anyway, mm-hmm. just please don't, because <laughs> that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Uh And I actually did ask designer Yang the same question last year. Mm -hmm. How can the public's approach to crafts change for the better? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he gave a rather simple response Mm -hmm. to just ask for the price. Ooh, that's sort of easier said than that because uh, for me, it's like Mm -hmm. when I go to these exhibits, it seems like these crafts are way out of my purse range. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm a bit trepidatious to, to ask the question, but... 
I will do so the next time. You see, I was I was a reluctant to ask for the price too for the same reasons. <laughs> But actually, today I found I actually found a beautiful handmade sheer scarf that oh. was only for fifteen thousand won. You're kidding me? No, I'm not. Wow, <laughs> that's that is within our price range. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and to con- yeah, so uh, he told me. Uh, Quote, there are crafts that are similar to the price of regular manufactured products, but people don't know because they're too scared to ask about the price, mm-hmm. like we were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, you'll be surprised to see how crafts are much better val- value for money because the longer you use them, the more aesthetically pleasing they become, mm-hmm. end quote. And mm-hmm. so, but I'm, I'm personally super bummed because if I wasn't there for work, I, I would have spent more time. there to browse through all the items mm. because i know like i like i told you uh like the scarf that's only 15,000 won mm-hmm. uh like while art fairs tend to have artworks that are at least thousands of dollars mm-hmm, like you can mm-hmm. find much you know a better bargain mm-hmm. at these at this craft fair mm-hmm. so Uh, so I, I want to tell all our lovely listeners out there, <laughs> <laughs> if you need something to elevate your home or mm-hmm. any space that you, you are in, just go to the fair. Mm-hmm. Like, even though you might step in not expecting much, you might exit with items that are, aren't just one of a kind mm-hmm. and useful, but also a good bargain. And it's a good thing because uh, during, the co- uh, during COVID-19, uh, artisans uh, who made those arts and, arts and crafts were very, very short of you know, finding it difficult to sell them. whereas uh, uh, they had to find online uh, uh, networks as Mm -hmm. well. But through these, they can... touch back with their uh, uh, audience right. so it's an opportunity so yes it is thank you for bringing us this wonderful exhibit um, and we'll uh, hope to check it out as soon as possible thank you Minnie thank you for having me This is Broadway actor Hwang Jumin. Now you're listening to KBS World Radio. For the last part of the show, we have our daily segment, Morning Edition Preview, where we take a look at some of the biggest stories from tomorrow's newspapers. The Korea Times and the Korea Herald have been kind enough to give us a preview of their editions for tomorrow. So we are very grateful for that. Our staff editor, Richard Larkin, joins us in the studio. Hello, Richard. It's good to see you. Hello. Good to see you, too. Okay, what is the first item that you have for us? So many of our listeners tune into KBS World Radio so that they can learn more about Korea. Mm -hmm. And these days, with the huge popularity of K-pop and other Korean content, more and more people are becoming interested in the country and its culture. Mm -hmm. Well, the Korea Culture and Information Service has teamed up with Pinkfong, the makers of Baby Shark, to create Mm -hmm. a helpful book that introduces Korea to young children. That is what Hwan Dong-hee's article in the weekend section of the Korea Herald is about. Wow. Uh, baby shark is all over the place. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Now tell us more about this joint project. Um, you said that, it, uh, that it's a book, right? Yes, it is. It's called Let's Explore Korea with Pink Fong and Baby Shark. And it is for children aged 7 to 11. It's in English, but apparently the book will be published in other languages in the future. Mm-hmm. So according to the article, the premise of the story is that Baby Shark hears from Grandma Shark about a treasure <laughs> box she obtained while she was in Korea. Baby Shark and Pink Fong go on an adventure to Korea to find her own treasure box. Oh my God. God, what an adventure. <laughs> I presume the two characters will head to multiple cultural, uh, cultural sites right. in the crunch, uh, across the country to find this treasure box. And that's how they will introduce us to these locations. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. Yeah. So, but... 
so much more will be covered. The book is 100 pages long. Oh. Yeah, and on top of the historical sites, the Korea's national symbols and the Korean alphabet, Hangul, will be introduced. Mm-hmm. There will be sections about Korean food and the country's arts and sports culture. It really sounds like readers will be able to get an in-depth introduction. Mm-hmm, each, section, each section of the book will have quizzes so the children will be able to see how much they have learned. And the government plans to distribute the booklet through overseas Korean cultural centers, embassies, schools and libraries. And it will also be available on its website. Mm, that sounds like a fun project for young kids who have become fans of K-pop. But right. it also sounds like a nice read for, for children who have uh, Korean parents or grandparents and are living overseas. Right, yeah. So they can learn more about their family's heritage exactly yeah and if they like music well a music video was released on thursday on the educational company's youtube channel which Mm -hmm. shows the basic content of the book what the service and pink fong did was combine the lyrics of the traditional korean folk song arirang with the melody of the baby shark dance (laughs) it's catchy but i feel sorry for the parents who are going to have to listen to the songs on repeat (laughs) i can i can see them going oh not again (laughs) right (laughs) but uh okay what's uh the next article that you have for us (laughs) well i have chosen Yi gyeong min's article in the people section of the korea times Mm -hmm. which is about yang yong wook Mm -hmm. so yang is a taxi driver who was recently given an award for catching a Voice Fishing Ring member. Mm-hmm. The award is given annually by Shinan Financial Group, the National Police Agency, and Good Neighbors, which is a private children's rights group. Oh, it's uh, kudos to him. Mm. And how was Young able to catch this uh, scammer? So one day, a person with a shopping bag full of cash got into Yang's taxi. Mm-hmm. The person was acting suspicious and couldn't give an exact. Uh, destination ah. they also wanted to stay in the car they didn't want to leave ah. and according to the article thinking that the person might be involved in some kind of criminal activity the taxi driver called the police and it turns out his gut feeling was correct that person ended up being part of a voice fishing scam ring wow incredible and uh, thanks to this taxi driver the scammers are not going to be able to prey on innocent victims who worked hard for their hard earned cash right yeah so the award ceremony was held at the national police agency in Seoul last week and Yang wasn't the only person to win a prize. Mm. Nine other people were given the honour and four of them were all citizens like Yang who helped catch voice fishing scammers. They all received 3 million won in cash which is about 2,300 US dollars. Heroes come in and uh, are everywhere in our society. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Richard, for bringing us these articles. Thank you. Well, this brings us to the end of today's edition of Korea 24. We'll bring you the latest in Korea tomorrow. I've been your host, Kuhijin, filling in for Kwon jang Thank you and goodbye. KBS World Radio.